Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Lauren Goodwin Show. Alrighty, hi guys, welcome in. You're now tuned into The Lauren Goodwin Show. I'm here with Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, a little rushed today. I'm trying to figure out all this stuff on my schedule, but life is good. I'm in Houston. <laughs> I'm actually in Houston this week, so no traveling for me. It's you in uh, Florida? <laughs> yes. Nice. It's not raining here anymore. The hurricane didn't really hit, so I know that was like a big concern for my family and a bunch of people who live here, but it was super light and it passed already. So I was out of town for that, actually. My parents were like, oh, really? So you're going to go out of town and leave us in a hurricane? <laughs> I was like, I didn't even realize, you know, I just had something to do. But luckily, nothing happened. Um, so we can go ahead and get into today's episode. And just with everything going on, I think it'd be important to talk about trust. Because that is something that is really lacking within the community and the police. And, you know, with p- police brutality And it's just a rough time as a nation. And so this podcast is going to talk about like the reality of what's going on. Um, A time that I feel like I was profiled just in general when I was profiled for being brown. And then you can give your stance, Amanda. And also just try to give an inspirational quote, quote and give people some hope, even though things are not looking up right now, but hopefully eventually, you know, with all the people involved and people who are using their voices like NBA players and people who are sticking up for a great cause will end up moving things in a positive direction. So the quote for today is, to be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. And I think this is huge. This means to me in this time right now that I think police are maybe their motive is to be liked or loved. And I see a lot of videos of them saying, you know, I'm not racist. You know, that's not me. This is my belief. This is what I think should be happening and trying to be liked by the people and loved by the people so that they are not harmed maybe. Um, And just to show that they're good people. And I don't think that's the point here because we know all police officers aren't bad, just like all black people aren't criminals. But I think the motive is to to be loved and to be liked. And that this quote is saying the exact opposite. um, To be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. And it's by George McDonald. I think that is so important for policemen because it doesn't matter how much we love you. If you don't, like, if we love the police in general, but if you don't, if we don't trust you, there's always going to be that miscommunication. There's always going to be issues and problems. And I think there has to be reform and something changed because right now as a public, we don't even trust the people who are sworn in to protect us and who we are paying taxpayer dollars for. I think it's a huge issue right now. So I think of the motive and everything, the reason why police officers are doing what they do, I think that needs to be changed. And um, the people should be more in control of, you know, what is happening with the police and figure out a way to make a change. That's my opinion on it. What does the quote mean to you, Amanda? I mean, you pretty much did a really good job encapsulating how I feel. I think that this is important, not just with the situations that are going on in our country right now, but in life in general, something that should be applied in your everyday encounters with any kind of person. You can be loved by many, but if there's not that trust factor, 
where you trust the person, however this relationship may be, you know, it, it, th there's a lot that goes into trusting someone. And once you don't have that trust, that relationship between one person and another, it's not the same. Right. And I think in this time, just because it's such a big deal and there's a lot of overshadowing for like the real issue at hand, but I think it breaks down to this. And until the trust is back between the people and the police, it's, it's going to be never ending issues. So hopefully that is cleared up soon. Um, but I have a story just about when I was profiled in general. Um, and it's actually really crazy because I was at dinner with a friend who I've known since I was in like, I don't know, like, and she brought a friend of hers who I've met like a few times, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not really friends with her. So we're out at dinner, having a great time. And her friend goes to the restroom and me and my friend are sitting there talking, catching up. I hadn't seen her in a while. And when she, when the friend gets back, she's like going through her purse, like counting her money and making sure everything's still there. Well, I don't know entirely if it's because I'm black, like that's not what I was thinking in that moment. But for some reason, I did feel like, why are you doing this now? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And like, that's her friend. Like, they're really close. Like me and my friend are really close. So I'm sure it's not for, because of her. So I was sitting there for a second and I'm just kind of like, why is this, you know, why are you going through your purse saying if you have everything? Of course, nobody's going to take anything while you're away for five minutes in the bathroom. Like, what do you think of me? And that kind of made me take a step back and really think about who I have in my company, because if I ever bring anybody around, my friends, they already know as they're, it's a reflection of me. So if, if I'm bringing them around, then they're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's like that trust factor again. And so that, that made me really uncomfortable and I didn't understand what was going on. And I couldn't, you know, specify and say, oh, it was because I was black, but I don't know what it was, but that was a really weird feeling. And I have also been profiled for being brown. I felt like whenever I was at Butler University, um, a great school, great academic university, but a few times it's predominantly white. And a few times I did feel, you know, kind of set apart because the way I looked and I mean, it just was what it was. And I ended up transferring from there. But I think everybody who is brown has been profiled at some, in some degree. And I just, I say all of this to say that I can't imagine what it must be like to be, to be a black male. Like I feel for my brothers. I have two younger brothers. Uh, my dad is black. My friends, my loved ones, like all of my family. I just can't imagine what they must feel like just walking down the street or getting pulled over by the police. Like who knows what's going to happen at this point. And it scares me, honestly. Like I'm happy that people with a platform are using their voices to speak up about racial injustice, like LeBron James, you know, people in the NBA, the MLB, everybody kind of took a stand in this last um, death, but it's just, it's crazy because, you know, Colin Kaepernick years ago took a knee during the national anthem. Now that was a huge ordeal. And I think a lot of us thought about it and didn't really understand or know to this depth now, um, years later, but then nobody really knew the point behind it. And it hadn't been that big of a deal, I would say. Like, it had been happening for years, but it wasn't as spotlighted as, spotlighted as it is now. He, Colin Kaepernick took the sword and took all of that heat so that years later, we would be looking at every little thing that's going on in the country. Now, um, newspapers and media companies, everybody's looking into this, you know, taking notes and just trying to figure out 
for the past few years, like what is the chance, like what are the chances of a black man being arrested versus white and doing research and figuring it out. Now, I feel like if he hadn't take that stand, taken that stand and it was not national news, things would be a lot different. So he fell on the sword and took the heat. And now I think he kind of paved the way for everybody else to do the same. Now, everybody in the NBA, WNBA, some of the WNBA, they don't even go, they're not even there when the national anthem is happening. Everybody's taking a knee and it's not accepted by some, but for like the NBA, majority of the players are black and that's the stance that they want to take. They're able to put the names of in the WNBA they're able to put Breonna Taylor on their jersey in the NBA they're allowed to put you know something at the top like equality or Black Lives Matter just to take a stance because they are having to play through something so extensive as this like racial injustice this is something that's going to go on down in the history books forever um, it's kind of like an, another civil war going on between the people and the police and I think there's going to be a big reform coming soon um, actors, actresses, people with a lot of stance and a lot of people who have a big platform are able to speak on this and truly do thank Colin Kaepernick for being able to be the first to do it. And now I think everybody's looking back like, wow, like in retrospect, as a country, we should have backed him a long time ago. And everything came full circle. Now everyone can take a knee. And we can stand against injustice, and I think it's wonderful. And a lot for a, a lot of people who have family members that have served, I understand if you don't take a knee because my grandpa did serve in the military, and you know his stance on it kind of changed my mind frame because I was a little worried, like you know, taking a knee is going against everything that he he fought for. You know, he's alive today and fought through the war for me to be able to take a knee, but I didn't understand that at first. So when I had a conversation with him, he basically said, you know, Lauren, I fought and many people fought beside me for this opportunity so that you can take a knee um, for that right. Like it is your right to have that choice. And it would be a shame if so many people fought and lost their lives so that you could have that choice and you don't even get it. So what was, you know, why did we fight? Why did people die? And it really changed my perspective. So I understand the people that are, are taking a knee and I also understand just that your conscience, you know, if you know people that people who have fought in the war and your family who have died, um, and you just can't find yourself to to take a knee because you see it a little differently. I also understand that as well. Um, but Amanda, have you ever been racially profiled for being brown or for not being white? So I will admit, living in Miami, I have been around a very thick Hispanic culture. Like I'm used to being around people that are just like me, people of similar nationalities with me. I'm Cuban, I'm Dominican. And here in Miami, I always feel comfortable. But as soon as I step out of Miami and I go to different towns, different states, I do get those weird looks and those like faces of disgust. And it's it's crazy to think that, you know, here in Miami, I'm so incubated and I'm used to being around people that are just like me. But as soon as I step out of here and I go anywhere else, unlike, you know, places like New York that have that cultural diversity, I find myself getting those weird stares and those awkward looks like, wow, she doesn't look like us or ugh, she's, you know, she's not, she's not what we're used to seeing around here. And it's, it's kind of strange for me to deal with it. But I just, you know, I kind of look at it. And I'm like, well, you know what, I look at it and I laugh because it's like, well, you know, I speak two languages, you may speak one. And, you know, I'm so well versed on different cultures. And I have all this experience and you are so close minded 
to experiencing these other cultures that you see someone like me and it's like that of wow how cool is this completely because you know a lot of people they haven't been around other races it's like the same so although you may not be racist you've been around people who look like you um speak maybe speak the same language and it's all about an open mind and how you grew up i do not think racism is um something that you're born with is something that's learned something that is taught by your parents and not everybody is raised the same so you have to I always take a step back a little bit because at Butler when I felt a lot of times that I was different I looked different obviously it was like a fly in a milk carton I'm not kidding but um, I had to take a step back and say okay a lot of these people all grew up in Chicago area and their suburb or around this area they are always knew they were going to go to Butler you know their parents put aside that 50 grand a year for them to go here their parents were in the same sorority and, f and fraternities and they're, you know, following in their footsteps. So to see come out of that kind of bubble and shell. And, you know, I was only there because of athletics. I would have never been at Butler University if it wasn't for basketball. And so when they saw, you know, just different people, I think it was kind of like a shock to be going to school, going to class with you know, just the athletes that were there. And I had to take a step back and say, okay, well, they haven't grown up around this. And maybe it was taught. Like everybody's not, doesn't have their opinions just based off, oh, I don't like her because she's brown. But maybe they grew up learning that. And if, if that's the case, it takes time to have to break that down and learn something different. So I tried to keep an open mind, but it was really, really hard whenever you get those looks and you feel um, a certain way or discriminated against, especially by the teachers. I'm like, come on, okay, there's no excuse for that because if you've been a teacher for years, at some point or another, you've taught somebody who is not the same color as you. And so I didn't have a lot of patience with that, but I did with um, my peers and people who maybe have never been around a group other than the one that they grew up in. And it's, it's just like you said, sometimes it's not even their fault. They've grown up in these, you know, small suburb towns where all they know is, what they see and what they've learned and what they've heard so once right. something different comes into the mix it's like ugh, who like who are you but it's a matter of how you react to it at that point because the same way you can act and discuss because you've never seen someone like this it's the same way you can be interested and try to learn more about this person's culture learn more about who this person is where they came from as well yeah i think you're right on that um especially i think that takes a lot of courage and patience to be able to see that and know that maybe it's not personal and take the time to teach and help people who see something differently and I think it becomes a whole different scenario if you're trying and you're educating them on you know different races and the problems that are going on especially with this police brutality you know I was talking to a friend and she was saying you know I almost lost my friendship over this she was basically saying that, well, why didn't he, um, why didn't he just stop? Why didn't, why didn't he, why did he go to his car? Like, why, you know, why this, why this, why this? And I'm like, after, I mean, maybe if this was the first time somebody was shot by police in cold blood, but after, you know, who knows how many deaths and this is just happening on like a daily basis, there's no more excuses. And I just kept saying that. She's like, well, if, I, if there was a gun pointing at, pointing at me, I would just stop in, in my tracks. Like, I would be so terrified. But you don't know what it's like being somebody else. Like, you don't know why he didn't stop. You don't know what he was on. You don't know. You know, he could have been about to drive away. He could have been completely guilty. But that does not mean that you deserve to be shot in the back seven times. Because, you know, just because you did not 
do exactly, you know, you, you didn't obey the law. Like that is a police officer's job now. And then she also brought up, okay, well, what about, you know, gang members? They're constantly, black people are killing each other every day. Like, why is that not, um, why does nobody care about that? But then one white cop kills a black man and it's the biggest deal ever. Because cops are sworn in, we are paying them taxpayer dollars. We are trusting them with our lives every day. They have a standard. <laughs> like, and there are certain professions where there can be bad apples. But in, in like you, in pilots, I saw this on a standup, with pilots, there can't be a bad apple. Like, okay, yeah, about 70% of the time, there's going to be great pilots who are going to get you home. But the, that 30%, man, you're just not going to make it home. You're going to, he's going to crash the plane. Like that doesn't make sense. And that's not reality. And so it should be the same for cops. Oh, a couple bad apples. No, when you're sworn in to protect us and we are paying you taxpayer dollars to do that, it should be everybody. And there should be courses and there should be different things um, to go and, and, more than just go to the academy and immediately you're a police officer like there should be backgrounds there should be so many things happening to make sure that there are no bad apples in this profession because you are standing there with a gun and badge every day you're held to a higher standard we treat you guys with higher standard you you put on your lights and pull us over everybody should stop so every police officer should have to follow the rules there should not be bad apples so, okay well maybe this police officer will pull you over and give you a ticket or maybe he'll shoot you because you're black like that that's not realistic or normal so this week is all about trust I know this is it's really hard to do after you know all the things that we've been saying but something that we kind of have to focus on in this time so for George Floyd Jacob Blake um, Jacob Blake is the one that I was discussing earlier. He was shot seven times in the back for going to his car and Breonna Taylor. I think these, you know, these people have lost their lives due to police brutality and it's important. It was really important for me this week to bring this subject up. It's something really touchy. Some people agree um, with what I'm saying and some people don't. And I understand and accept if you think something differently but I think there are definitely two sides. There's either youth, what's going on is wrong and that there needs to be change or there are excuses and there's something, you know, something within you will not let you see that it is wrong to be killed because of your skin color um, or because somebody is scared of you in a position of power. So I think it's taking, it's, it's making a lot of people look inside and say, you know, what do I really believe in? What have I, I been taught? Because, you know, as we said earlier, Amanda, it's, uh, some people were taught something differently. But in this time, you're basically seeing on the forefront exactly what's happening there now. Now we have social media, we have videos, phones, recording everything. You can kind of make your own decision at this point um, to say what you believe in and what stance you're going to take, which side that you're going to be on. And so I think that's, I think it's great that we have that now because who knows how long this has actually been going on. And we just weren't able to see this footage because, you know, we didn't have camera phones and we weren't allowed to video everything. So, but now we can go ahead and get into the question and answers. And I chose ones for the past few weeks I've had, a lot of people ask me just about racial injustice and I was waiting for the uh, time to really speak on it. And since we are talking about that this week, um, we can answer those questions. So the first question is, what advice can you give black men in this country on how to deal with law enforcement when getting pulled over in their car or interacting with them in their communities? Well, at this point, I think it is so scary interacting with police or 
you know, just taking that chance. If you're being pulled over, I would just say, show your hands, keep your hands on the wheel. There's somebody in the car. I mean, have them record, have them be, you know, be as patient and still as possible. And I would, I would immediately call somebody that, you know, um, to just let them know what's going on just in case something happens. But I think it's, that's so sad that we have to do that. But I think that's something that we definitely have to keep into account and to do in this time. And the advice I would give black men in this country, um, I would say just, just stick to yourself. I know, I know maybe you have some words for police officers. You have some things that you want to say to them in person, but I mean, that one police officer is not the president or like the head chief officer of every police department in the country. So I think right now, just with it being so, there's there's not really reform yet on what we're going to do about police. So I would just try to do your normal activities and stay away from them as much as possible if you can. Do you agree, Amanda? I do. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because, you know, I, I watch TikToks and I go through TikTok. And lately I've been seeing a surge of a lot of videos of different shortcuts and things you can do where you tell Siri, hey, Siri, I'm being pulled over by the police. And it automatically does all those things you just said, you know, call someone. It starts, you know, it opens up your camera and it starts recording. And it's all these different precautionary measures to take in the scenario where you do get pulled over by police. And it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to think that you have to make sure you have all these things in check and all these tutorial videos that we're watching by different people on social media on what to do in the scenario you do get pulled over, you know, put your wallet on on the dashboard, make sure your hands are on the steering wheel, just like you said. And we're even seeing, you know, TV shows and stuff like that. I don't know if you've watched All American. All American this past season did a great job at addressing all these different issues. And one of them was being pulled over by cops and black men being pulled over by cops. In this scenario, high school teenagers being pulled over by cops and what they did to ensure that nothing happened to them. So I think it's really important that you, you're careful in the scenario where you get pulled over by a police officer and you just don't do anything to agitate the situation, especially with the current turmoil that's going on in our country right now. Right. I agree 100 percent. It's a great way to put it. And yeah, I'm glad that a lot of like TV shows and stuff are um, focusing on that and teaching, you know, young black men exactly what to do because maybe they don't know. The next question is, what are you doing to take a stand against injustice? So a few episodes ago, I talked about my sister and I opened, or not opened, but started a 501c3, and it's called Wake Up Temple, and it focuses on um, education, so voting, getting people involved in that, um, having places where people can come and vote, giving back to the community, if uh, low-income homes, feeding the kids and children in, in those homes, but then also the huge one is taking a stand against racial injustice, so there was a young man who was killed in Temple, Texas, where I lived for six years. My sister currently lives there and he went to school with her. And I think it really touched her heart. Like she was so devastated because there was no explanation. He was killed in cold blood, unarmed. It was the same kind of scenario. And his name was Michael Dean. And it was like national news and it became this huge thing. And so my sister decided to start an organization against that to bring awareness. And they have, before I even got involved, she was like talking to the local government and made national news and she's been like trying to write up bills and do different things. And, and so I was like, well, it'd be, it's really important for you to become a 501c3 to be um, a nonprofit organization for, so that you could get donations and stuff to be able to have the tools to get this stuff going. And so that's what we've been working on. And um, I think it's really important and exciting for me to feel like I'm 
helping make a change in any way that I can with the platform that I have. So do you still feel threatened even though you are not fully from Black descent? So I this question, I wasn't going to answer it <laughs> because... I mean, I'm trying to think of if I've ever said that I'm not from complete Black descent, but I will answer this. Um, I feel, I do feel threatened because I'm brown. I think even if you're not Black, there's, there's kind of a stigma uh, for, you know, as I said, I was sitting with my friend and, and that's my friend I've known for years and years and years and her friend checked her purse when she came back to the table. Like, that's ridiculous. So I, I do feel threatened and I feel weird in certain situations but I don't think it's because I'm not fully black. I think it's because I am black and my dad is black. And, and I, it's, it's kind of weird in this country because if you are, say you're a white and Hispanic, right? Well, on your, like, what, do you, what would you fill in? Like, would you fill in Hispanic? Most of the time you fill in the thing that's other than white. Like if I put, if I'm thinking to myself, okay, what am I? My mom is white and Colombian. My dad is black. When it asks you if it doesn't have other, like as in you're more than one, um, ethnicity or race I put black and I think that's really crazy to me like if you're mixed with it if you're if you're mixed with black and, and white you, you're automatically put black or white and Hispanic then you put Hispanic I just think that's so crazy versus like why couldn't I why couldn't I put white you know it's just it's interesting how everything like just the systemic like everything that we've been taught and we've learned is is so wild to me and hopefully there's reform soon but to answer the question um, I do feel threatened, but not because I'm not all the way black, but because my dad's black, so I'm black, and maybe I didn't answer it very well. <laughs> but there, there we go, guys. And we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. It's been a pleasure to be able to talk about these touchy topics. It was something that was heavy on my heart and could be really controversial, I understand, but something that I felt I had to do, no matter the consequence, because it's something that you know, is happening around us and i f feel like silence is betrayal at this point if you don't speak on it then you know you either don't care or you're too scared of the of the consequences and right now too many people are dying and there's too many lives at risk so it's something that we've got to speak on so amanda i'm really happy that you're on here with me and you're able to discuss this with me and have opinions on something that is so so controversial i think that's really important and i'm proud of you thank you <laughs> But this will be one that I will be posting um, on my Instagram for everyone to be able to hear. And you can state your opinions as well. But thank you all for tuning in to the Lauren Goodwin Show. It's been great. And you all have a great day and a great rest of your week. Stay safe and wear a mask. The views and opinions expressed on The Lauren Goodwin Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.